honor to be here. Um, I saw Tomin and Jay's. What? And Joanne? Hi. It's just so weird to see everyone physically. Um, but amen. Hallelujah. So good. Okay. Sorry. I just got to get situated. It's been, it's been a year, right, you guys? It's been, I mean, yeah, if you uh, haven't gone through therapy yet, I highly recommend it. It's, uh, it's been a year. Um, but let me just pray and let's just get right into it. Jesus, you are everything, and we're here because we love you, and um, we know there's more. The how to get to that more can be such a mystery at times. Lord, I just pray that you speak to us in a way that we understand. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me give you just like a little taste of what this past year has been like for me. When people ask me, what have you been up to? I'm like, well, it's been like walking on water, you know? Um, and I have just been learning so much, learning and relearning and unlearning about God, about faith. And, you know, it's just, it's like, it's so funny because I'm, I've been in ministry for about 16 years, but I've now come to a place where I'm like, oh my gosh, I know nothing. I know, I know, I know nothing. Um, and, but in a way, it's like a great place to be as well. So around last year, so my family and I were church planters. So, um, and I say my whole family because when you are a church planter, your whole family's involved. Um, I have four children and I have two dogs. All of them are church planters, all of them, including the dogs, because you don't know how many non-Christians you meet when you walk around with dogs. So anyways, um, we needed to move last year. And um, it was like, it was so much drama. Like we had to move by June in the middle of a pandemic. And um, as church planters, I mean, you don't really have consistent income. Uh, we're also in the middle of a pandemic. So it's like, where would we go? Where would we look? We literally had nothing. I mean, we were, it was literally like I would open up Google Maps and just be like, where should I look around today? And I literally sometimes would just drive around randomly, hoping God would do something crazy, you know? And just like maybe like some guy wants to just give away a house on the street. Like I was hoping for something amazing, right? I mean, we did, but it's just, it just didn't happen that way. And sometimes, you know, we go through seasons like that where we're really hoping God does something crazy. And he does, but it's not the kind of crazy that you're hoping for. But anyhow, as Dave and I were in prayer, God spoke to both of us separately. Do not look for your home until end of May. But um, I was like, but, but Jesus, we've got to move by June. You know, and I'm a planner by nature. Like, I ha I'm already, like, set for 2022, y'all. Like, I'm just, I'm a planner. So this just really killed my spirit in every part of who I am. Like, it just really did. And um, it, but it was just so clear. God was saying to Dave and me, like, just don't even look until end of May. And so we, so, I mean, we're like, oh, well, 
we got nothing. So, you know, just give God a chance. And that was our motto last year. Just give God a chance, right? And every day, my children and I, we would do communion, and we would pray for the house. And my kids, I mean, I learned so much about faith through my children. They were just so happy while the adults were so stressed. You know, when we're faced with mystery, children rejoice, adults stress and plan and overcompensate. You know what I mean? Uh, my children, they were just eating the Hawaiian bread and the grape juice. We're like, our house is going to be big. It's going to be light. And they would just pray for our house every single day. Whereas my husband and I were thinking anything with a budget of over 300 a month is like over budget, <laughs> you know? And, um, and I remember telling my husband, we need a five-bedroom house. And my husband's like, oh, babe, that's like never going to happen. Because, and I, but I said, we have four growing children. We should get a five-bedroom house. And my husband's like, no, we're church planters. Stay humble. Like, we got to, like, you know, where are we? You know, and I'm just like, oh. You know, and so we, it was just a thing. But God told us, do not look until the end of May. And so we prayed and prayed and prayed. End of May. It turned out May 31st was a Sunday. It was actually Pentecost Sunday. So drama, right? I'm just like, whoa, it's going to be crazy, right? And so June 1st, I'm thinking someone's going to knock on my door and offer me a house, right? None of that. Every house we look, the moment the realtor found out that we had no proof of income, which young guns, like that's like, the worst thing you could have like when you're looking for a house and it's like this whole process basically we just failed every check mark the moment they found out they would just ghost us they would look at us at our face and be like we'll send you an application and then they'll stop responding to our texts and it was so painful because it's just something that we couldn't control june 1st we looked for houses rejection june 2nd june 3rd june 4th and then by June 5th, I remember I was so upset and so vexed, so, and I just didn't know what God was trying to do. It was so mysterious. So my husband and I, we knelt in our little room. We, clear, we literally cleared out one of our kids' bedrooms to make it into an office for remote learning. It was just, it was that kind of a summer, right? Um, and we were kneeling on the floor of our office, him and me, and we prayed, Jesus, where is our house? We got to move like yesterday. And it was so, like, I mean, y'all, I don't know how you know how it feels, packing boxes of your stuff knowing you're not going anywhere. But we were just packing in faith, right? We were on the floor of our office just praying, God, where is his house? And I felt the Lord say, that is the wrong question. And I asked him, well, what's the right question, right? And I literally, that's what I, I told Dave. I'm like, God said it's the wrong question. And Dave's like, <laughs> right? So go ask him, what's the right question? What is the right question, God? And the Lord said, I want you to ask me about the vision for your church. And he reminded me of Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be given unto you. It was almost like God was saying, I got you a place. Don't worry about it. Let's just focus on the real thing, right? And so I'm like, oh, God, where, what's the, I mean, I was very reluctant because I'm like near homeless at this point, you know? 
Um, and I was literally, like, my prayers were starting to get very savage with God. I was like, if my kids, if they get disappointed, that's on you. That's on you, you know? But then, as we were praying, I started to see, I started to see this bright space where, like, the formerly incarcerated were serving food and the special needs community was being reached. You know that's an unreached people group? The special needs community? And, uh, and the elderly were sitting with the single moms. And like it was like everyone that doesn't have like direct access to discipleship, you know, were being ministered to. And it was so bright. And it was just there was just so much freedom and safety in it. And and I, I know the spirit of God was there because my husband was weeping. And y'all, like, the rapture could come and that man will not weep, you know? But he was weeping and, like, and we were just so filled with God's love in that that literally we got no clue about the house by the end of it. And it was, like, 4 a.m. And we were just content until, like, the next morning when I realized I'm still homeless, right? But June 6th, my husband went to go look at a house and I didn't go to the open house with him. And he came back and he said, it's not, it's not it. And I asked him, why? The pictures on Zillow look good. You know, and he said, it's dark, it has a weird smell, you wouldn't like it. But June 7th, that realtor called my husband back. And that was like the, we've been getting ghosted this whole time. So I'm like, well, if someone's calling. But what the realtor literally said to my husband was, are you sure you don't want to look at this house again with your wife? And my husband's like, that's a kind of an imposition, but sure, you know, and so we roll in at 11 a.m., and this whole time, I'm like, this has got to be a joke. I'm pretty sure this is a, a joke. Like, either this man's desperate, this is a scam, or something, and we roll into this home, and I'm thinking, this is a beautiful home. It is bright. It, I mean, everything the kids asked for, it had, you know, I should have asked them to pray bigger prayers, but they everything they on their list, it, this house had. And I remember thinking, you know, like I'm counting the rooms, one, two, three, four, five. And then the realtor opened up another room. He said, this is a sixth room that we added during renovations. And I said, when did you guys renovate? And he said, we've been renovating from last fall until May 31st. And so I'm like, oh, th this, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is our house. And, but then I knew, okay, here we go. The moment of truth. Sir, thank you so much for calling us back. By the way, we have no proof of income. I have four kids and a dog. We're church planters. We're probably going to have a lot of guests here all the time. And I just laid it all out. And this man just looked at me and he just said, I don't know why, but you just look like good people. We just look like good people. And he's like, I'm going to just take you at your word. You're going to pay the rent, right? I'm like, I will pay the rent. On God, I will pay the rent. You know, and he's like, all right, you could have the house. So literally, we rolled it in 11 a.m. At 1 p.m., we had keys. Yes, we moved in and then a couple of days later. And literally, it was like everything that we needed. Well, I didn't know that we needed, like so on and, and so forth. It wasn't a scam. You know, we've been there for a year. It's not a scam. But all this to say, all this to say, there is a level of faith that requires you to walk on, on water, 
right? And you know what's funny? That has nothing to do with what I'm actually going to share here. But I really felt like God wanted me to share that first. That the Lord has called you to live beyond what you see and live beyond what you're capable of doing. And if you're anything like me, you're probably thinking, that sounds like a really great idea, but there's going to be a million breakthroughs that I need to get to that place of faith, right? And with that being said, and with where we're at today, I would like to say that biblical history attests that the gathering of believers is usually always what precedes that sort of breakthrough. And I want to talk about the gathering today. Like what you guys are doing right here, right now, is the key for that more. It's the key. Like So remember, all this started to kickstart as my husband and I, we gathered and we prayed and God just broke through. You know, revival, we talk about, I mean, this, this crowd are revival lovers, right? I mean, I love that. But revival is just a series of outpourings. You know, it's just outpourings. And what you guys are here for is just you want another outpouring. And that's so great. But you know, outpourings only are given to gatherings. The Holy Spirit responds to gatherings. This is not to say, sidebar, I know there's a lot of youth group people here, so foundational teaching. Everybody has the Holy Spirit if you know Jesus, right? So no, like, you do not need to gather with other people to have the Holy Spirit. Like, that's not the case. If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit and you have all of him. So that's not the problem, right? That's not the question here. But there's another level of access and authority that we carry as a body of Christ when we gather. You know what I'm saying? So, and I want to just go through Acts. And if you have the Bible with you, which is great, you know, I'm just going to go through it. Not too much in detail, but enough. If you look in Acts 1, this is where Jesus, he just goes to heaven, right? And, you know, he has some big assignments, right, before he goes to heaven. He's like, you're going to go and make disciples of all nations. You're going to, you know, do all that. I mean, like, this isn't like a well-funded organization here. Like, we're, like, talking about a ragtag group of formerly disappointed people, now not so disappointed, and he's giving them the challenge, now change the world. No big deal, right? No one's funding them. I'm like, I'm always thinking about funds now because like I'm running a nonprofit and a church plant. I'm always thinking about funds. But nobody's funding these guys, right? No one's sponsoring them. I mean, who, you know, like what's going on? Like what, I mean, there's, no, there's not even a blueprint. God's not even giving them a roadmap. Start, like, start at this place, start doing this and do that. Like he's, he's just like, go just make disciples of all nations, you know? So they have this dream that is huge with zero means to accomplish that dream. So what do they do? They gather. In response to the dream, they gather. In response to having no means, they gathered. And so that's where you find yourselves in Acts 2, where you see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Right? It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. I love that. They were all together in one place. Did you know? Now, for former BYG kids, I don't know if you guys are still BYG, but, you know, I say this all the time. Jesus did not show up to 120. 
you know, and people in the upper room, there was 120 people. If you look in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 6, he actually showed up to 500 plus. But there was only 120 in the upper room that gathered. It never said the Pentecost happened where he distributed the fire of tongues wherever people were listening to their podcast in their homes. It said that the Holy Spirit was given unto the gathering. I would have hated to be the other 380. What? I was, I was at you know, work, or I was at, I don't know, what did they do back then? I was tilling the soil, or I was making bread, or I was 20 minutes late, or you know what I mean? It's like, I would have hated to have been the other 380, but there was this 120 that kept gathering in this upper room. For what? I don't know, right? Like, there wasn't a plan. There was just a commission. you got to change the world. How? I don't know. So what is their response? They gathered, and God gave them the means to that dream, which is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, is the movement. You know, it's like this, it's not an event. The movement is not an event. It's a person. It's the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus said, go and start a movement, he was really saying, wait for the Holy Spirit. You, and walk with the Holy Spirit. That's, just, that's it. And they knew, we, well, we don't have what it takes. So they gathered. They gathered. And it's so interesting because the most glorious gift from Jesus, which is the Holy Spirit, he gave it to the hands of a gathering, the church. You know what I mean? You know, my son today, he dropped my favorite glass, like my espresso glass. It like perfectly fits a Dopio espresso, perfectly, with a little bit of crema. It's so pretty. You see it on my Insta stories all the time. He broke it, right? Why would I give a glass espresso shot thing, espresso shot glass to my son? That was on me. But Jesus, he gave the Holy Spirit to a gathering of believers, to a gathering. And this is where the first church was birthed in Acts 2, right? The fellowship of the believers, starting from verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. And at the end, it says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There was something contingent about gathering and revival, gathering and revival, gathering and revival. So the fact that you guys are here, whether you were forced by your pastor or not, or you know, the fact that you're here, you are doing something so significant, so important. And it's not about whether you come out completely transformed and changed. If that does happen, amen. But you're doing something. This is a statement. You know, this is, this is a symbolic act. This is a prophetic declaration over the earth because a gathering is physical. It's visible. It's demonstrating to your region that there is Jesus and he's worth getting out of my bed for. And I'm going to physically gather with other believers. You are literally an outpost of heaven right here. An outpost of heaven is where every gathering is at, whether there's two or three or thousands. So that's literally what you are what, right, right here. That, you know what's so funny? Because everyone always 
makes Acts 2 such an icon in the Bible, as if that's like the only time the Holy Spirit broke out like that. But all throughout Acts, the Holy Spirit will pour out again and do, release a shaking again, but was always in response to a gathering, right? So if you look in Acts 4, right, here, Peter and John, they were before the Sanhedrin, and they got all sort of threats, you know? Um, and normally, if you're threatened by someone in an authority, it's enough to, like, shut you down and just make you scared and hate your life and whatnot. But what did the believers do? They were praying. They gathered to pray. If you look on verse 23, it says, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. I love that. You know why I love that? I believe a lot of bodies of Christians and a lot of gatherings these days, they're very good at observing the problem. They're very good at observing, discerning, calling it out, and maybe at best, very good at comforting those that are grieving. And sometimes we want to really comfort each other, you know, and that's like a really great thing. But, you know, the church wasn't for comfort. It was for victory. You know what I mean? The gathering wasn't for comfort. Your Devo time isn't so that you could just grieve and grieve and just feel comfort, which is great. And if that's part of the road to victory, amen. So, like, don't walk out of this thinking, no, I can't grieve. No, you should grieve. Go to therapy. Like, do all of that, you know? But it can't end at discerning the problem. Uh, 2020, y'all, like, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram just exploded. Everyone's just like, here is the problem. Here is the problem. We're not here to just call out problems. We're here for victory. You know what I mean? Jesus did not say go into the ends of the earth and call out problems and criticize everyone that disagrees with you. No, he says, make disciples of all nations. How are you going to do that unless you carry victory with you, right? They didn't even acknowledge the problem. They weren't like, oh, my goodness, the Sanhedrin, this is, this is a big issue. This is a systematic issue. Like, you know, let's, let's, like, let's protest. And let's, like, you know, not that protesting was wrong, but you get what I'm saying. It's like they, they weren't there being like, wow, like, how could they? Let's vote them out. Let's like, you know, none of that. They, the first thing that came out of the gathering was this. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. It's almost as if they were not obsessed with the problem. But they were worshiping Jesus. They were worshiping God. So it's not just any kind of gathering. It's not just any but it's a focused gathering. And you don't gather to the point of discernment. You don't gather to the point of comfort. Yes, all of that is really, really important. But you have to gather to the point of victory. You know, you have to do that, right? And, the, and from here, you see, and the, I mean, I love this. Verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. You know what's so crazy is no one in that gathering was like, Lord, look at me. 
please change me. All eyes on that gathering was on Sovereign Lord. You made the heavens and the earth. So much of powerless Christianity is based upon just self-improvement. You know, I just got to be better. I just got to be strong. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to evangelize to my friends and school. Therefore, I feel so guilty. I feel so guilty. I feel so guilty. No, try just worshiping who Jesus is. And in that, you will find your transformation. Keep going to the gathering. And you'll find that transformation as you worship who Jesus is instead of analyzing who you are. Right? And then in Acts 10, right? One of my favorite passages, Acts 10. Here, it's when the Holy Spirit starts to make moves. He's trying to make moves into the Gentile regions, right? And he does it first through Cornelius, Peter and Cornelius. And so Cornelius, what he does in verse 10, or not verse 10, chapter 10, he gathers all his friends and his family. There's a gathering in his house. Now, up until this point, no one has seen the Holy Spirit wreck the Gentiles. Meaning, this is something that they, that they haven't seen, right? But it says in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message in the gathering, right? The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter says, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. In response to hunger, the people gathered, the Gentiles gathered, Cornelius he was a man that was seeking after God, was honoring God, even when he didn't even know really who Jesus was. There was a hunger. So what did he do? He created a gathering. And in that gathering, the Holy Spirit came. And not only that, they were able to see something new. When is the last time that you as a body of believers saw something new? Or is everything just a repeat of Winter Retreat 2000 blank? You know what I mean? Or summer camp 2000 blank. Or are we just repeating the same things over and over again? Or are we a gathering of believers that are constantly seeing something new? The apostles were constantly seeing something new. And, what did they, and how? They gathered. In the face of threats, they gathered. In the face of a dream and no means, they gathered. In the face of hunger and mystery, they gathered. Haven't you ever... You know, there are moments like, I mean, when I was a child, I have moments where I'm like, I really want to know Jesus. I just don't know how. I read the Bible. I don't understand it. And, I just, and there are times when you're just like, there's so much hunger, but there's so much mystery. And it, it could be very discouraging. Then gather with the believers. Then you must gather, right? And then you'll see in Acts 12. Here, Peter is in prison. So it says in verse 5, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And then it says, The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, 
and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off. Peter's wrists. And it's so funny because he leaves, leaves prison, right? And then he, in verse 12, it says, When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. But it's so funny because Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind. They said she's out of her mind. That says so much. That means they didn't even have the faith for Peter to come out of the jail. But you know what they did? They gathered. And they prayed. And God did what was beyond their faith, beyond their expectation. When's the last time you experienced that too? where you saw something that's beyond your expectation, beyond your faith. And you know what's so funny? They were praying, and they were probably still praying. They had no idea that their prayers from far away was breaking off chains. When you gather as believers and when you pray, you have no idea whose chains are being broken off in this moment. When you, when you worship, you have no idea whose chains are being broken off. You may not even have the faith for it, but at least you're gathering, right? You know, um, my parents were not believers, but there was a missionary that was teaching my mom English. And when I was born, he came to the hospital and he prayed for me. I know because he actually wrote a letter to, a, like a little postcard to my parents and they put it in my photo album and I actually still have his written prayer. That man probably has no idea. <laughs> He probably thought, here's this pagan family, and they just have a for that pagan child. You know, and like, I'm going to just pray. He probably thought he was just doing like a routine time of prayer. Probably has no idea to this day where that prayer landed. Changed my whole family. Changed my life. And not only that, all my fruit is his fruit. Because he went out of his way to pray and to gather. You guys get what I'm saying? Gathering, yes, it's inconvenient. So inconvenient, especially after 2020, where you just know you could just turn on a Zoom call and never leave your bed. It's so inconvenient. And you know what? It's true. Yes, every individual has the ability to steward and host his presence on their own. But we were just never meant to do it alone. Never. Where, show me where in the Bible where God has ever called us to steward the presence of God alone. Even when Adam was alone, what did God say? That's no good. But what did Adam have? His presence. His presence is meant to be stewarded in community. And then the next wave, right? And when you see in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit comes, what does God do? He creates a gathering, community, relationships. You guys get what I'm saying? So the fact that you are here is so significant. The fact that you are in a gathering, you are a heavenly outpost. You are making a statement to every regional principality that exists here that there is a Jesus and he's worth coming out of my house for, coming out of my car for. He's worth buying t-shirts for. He's worth, you know, <laughs> he's worth 
going to pursue conference for? You know what I mean? Like, it's not about pursue. It's not about your church name. It's not about any. It's just simply to gather. To gather with believers. It's making a statement to God, to yourself, and to the enemy. Who you live for and who you love. And I'm going to close with this, but David, I would love for you. Wait, your first name is David, right? Yeah, okay. I say this because you know how like everyone's like Instagram like names or like okay anyways, I don't I don't, I don't know anyways. Um, I've literally on a graduation once for our BYG I've called out somebody's Facebook nickname and not their actual name but the whole four years I had her I thought her Facebook nickname was her name. Anyways, that's a sidebar. I remember once I was on a um, mission trip and we were in um, there were. They basically spent weeks gathering all the people from this one mountain area, right? It's in Indonesia. And um, it was like a place that was very steeped in witchcraft. And I mean, you could, you, al- you always know when there's a place filled with witchcraft. Literally feels like death. And you could preach your heart out, and there is zero movement. And it's just, it's really hard. It's really, really hard. And, um, and you can physically see it in people, um, the presence of witchcraft and just so much bitterness and all that stuff. And we were doing the, you know, I mean, we really pushed for this revival. And, you know, so we gathered all the people, all these non-Christians came. And you know what? There are some people that came with, like, baby oil in hopes that these, like, spiritual people that came from America would bless their oil because they couldn't get the mindset of witchcraft, like, out of their heads, you know? But we gathered them all. We gathered the sick, we gathered the lame, we gathered the orphans, we gathered them all. And I remember we, um, uh, we, we, somebody else was preaching, and like we started to like worship and go into prayer time, and literally it was nothing. Our own team was falling asleep. Like, I mean, after all that training, they were falling asleep, right, under the, the overcast of witchcraft. And it was just one of those moments where I'm like, God, why are we even here? We're just wasting everyone's time. And it was so discouraging because, you know, in the presence of darkness, it's just discouragement, right? And, and you're just like, and you know what? We start to, and what it looked like was actually the, um, well, at least for this one, they get all these children, and some of them are actually orphans that grew up in a church. And um, they have tambourines, and they're dressed in body worship attire. And they, and they kneel, and they're shaking their tambourine, and they're calling out, Baba, Baba, Yesu, 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 Baba, Baba, Father, Father, Jesus, Jesus. And that's all they're really doing. But, you know, the presence of darkness was so heavy that, you know, after about like 15 minutes, you're really tired. You're really tired and you're really hot and you just want to go back. But I, our, um, my mentor, um, my spiritual mother, she was just like, Faith, go on that stage, take the mic and just start singing in tongues. Just, just sing in tongues. And I'm like, they're not going to understand. There's no point in that. It's just like, no, no, no. We just got to press in. And when we fight, we will win. And I'm like, okay, okay. So I go, and I have one guitarist, and this, you know, we had other intercessors. And our assignment was just to press in. And you know what? There are some people watching us like, whoa, crazy Americans. Like, what's going on, you know? 
and there are some people praying, and but it was just us, and then the kids in the front, kneeling, literally just kneeling and shaking their tambourines. Yes, Baba, and, and we're just, and I'm just singing, and I, Kishina, we were pressing in for about 45 minutes. Nothing for 45 minutes, y'all. At the end, I was like. It didn't even sound good at the end, you know? At least in the beginning, it was beautiful, like an angel. But at the end, it was like nothing. But all of a sudden, we started to see breakthrough. All of a sudden, people were just getting slain by the spirit. Tumors were starting to disappear. Old men were starting to weep. Women were holding on to their children and weeping. And all those children in the front, they all were wrecked. They were all, they were all lying down and shaking their tambourines still. You know, they were, the Holy Spirit came so tangibly. It just made a fool out of those baby oil bottles. It's just like, you know what I mean? Like, what are we doing with this? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just so, and there was just physical healing. There was deliverance where demons were cast out, where people that were literally tormented by the enemy were just being set free. You know, where children, even children that had no parents, were like experiencing the goodness of the Father, right? Now, would that have been as possible if everyone just stayed in their individual huts and listened to song in their ears like you know what I mean like maybe I mean like God could visit us anywhere but there was an upheaval that happened in the region because there was a gathering you know what I mean like there was a significant upheaval in the region because there was a gathering there was no plan there was no like you know what I mean it was just we need breakthrough we don't know how we're just going to cry out, Papa, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And something just broke. And I remember thinking, man, not only are we meant to gather, but we're meant to persevere in the gathering. You know that feeling when, like, you know, that happens, and, but you just don't feel anything, and you're like, when are they going to let us sit down? You know that feeling? Like, when are they going to let us sit down? You know? But you know, in other parts of the world that are so hungry for the real thing, they will stand all day to press in in the gathering. So can we all rise? And you know what? If like something hurts and you really have to sit, like do not feel like Pastor Faith said this, therefore I can't sit. No, you could do whatever you want. But um. Let's call out to him, right? Let's just press in. And if you don't know what pressing in is, I remember like when pastors would say stuff like that, I didn't understand what that means. That just means letting your body, your soul, your whole being to focus on the real thing of Jesus. Not the idea of him, but you just, turn that hunger, that focus towards God and say, God, I'm here. Take me. 
bless me. Go ahead. Holy Spirit, we welcome you at this time. And Lord Jesus, as we gather as your believers, may you break off everything that needs to be broken. And may you shake everything that needs to be shaken. And may faith arise. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to move in our midst. We welcome you to open every door of our hearts. We welcome you to be physically tangible in this place. We welcome you to glorify the name of Jesus in this place. God, we want the real thing in this moment. We want the real thing in this moment. Bottom of his feet, Lord. Yes, you're 